The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to a post-playoff edition of Three Yards Per Caddy. I'm afraid I tag Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is here. I wish we were doing this show talking about one of the greatest victories in the history of the franchise, and it would have been, especially as a 14-point underdog in your arch-rival's home stadium absolutely but it wasn't to be we'll talk about it we're always brought to you by prize picks use promo code 5 f-i-v-e you still have some action because we're recording this on a monday you can play cowboys bucks quickly simon who wins tonight bucks okay we have the bucks chris is going to be in attendance chris who do you like uh i like the cowboys on this one yeah i like the cowboys i like the Cowboys. i think there's going to be a lot of points this is going to be a good game uh, it's saying a lot because there was some good football play this weekend, but I think this is going to be the best game of the weekend. Play that on Prize Picks F I V E, hundred dollars. They give you hundred dollars one time rollover. Simple as that. Play it, and of course, BetterEdge.com. Use BetterEdge.com/slash the number five reasons, and you get twenty five dollars just for signing up. All right, Simon. I'll start with you. Um, First of all, how do you you know what did you think as you were watching this game? And take us through your emotions as you were watching this game because personally, I I kind of enjoyed it. I felt pretty shitty for about five minutes after the game, and then I kind of had like a little shit eating grin on my face, saying, thinking to myself, "We're back in the '80s and '90s. Like yeah. this could be the yeah. start of something." Your thoughts, Simon? Yeah, it was um like as you know, I came into it pretty chilled because I just didn't think we stood a chance. So I was like, you know, what will be will be minimal expectations. So it was going to be fine. And you know, even for like a week three game against the worst team in the league, I'm always nervous. And yesterday I wasn't nervous at all because I was just chilled and just thought, you know what, can be a bit balls out. We'll see what happens. We're going to get spanked, but it's fine. And then I ended up being incredibly frustrated by the fact that it ended the way it did because we were so close to winning. Probably should have won it. Uh-huh. Um, that was just more frustrating, I think, in a way. But like, just feelings of immense pride, of of happiness, of joy, of I, I, I there was a genuine occasion where I choked back a couple of tears when Sealer scored, thinking, "Oh my god, this is unbelievable! This this could happen." And then to go thirty four twenty four down and think, "Oh well, it, it was good while it lasted. It's going to be a bit like the Forty Nine ers Seattle game on the Saturday." And then to come back into it, to have the ball at midfield, and then to have that almighty screw up was just, you know, was was heartbreaking in a way. But uh, I think overall, I woke up this morning, I was absolutely chilled about it. Thought we played a great game, uh, undermanned, you know. But I was happy, and you know, there's still a long path to go. There's still lots to do in the off season, lots of positions to 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 replace and to work on, which we'll go into in later shows. But mm-hmm. just an overriding sense of of pride in the team of the effort of the 
the guys that put their balls on the line. You know, Chris and I were talking yesterday about like the, the warrior mentality of someone like Teron Armstead, just the, the guy that was told to have an season-ending surgery after the first game of the season to be out there and play the way he did, for Bradley Chubb to have got all the shit that he had and to play so well, and the, the strip sack and, you know, Sealer with a touchdown, Phillips all over the place. I thought Jerome Baker played really well. I thought Xavier Howard, you know, you look at some of the comments from Richard Sherman and Darius Slay and James Bradbury and, and elite corners around the NFL saying, you know, I'm seeing people slagging off X and, you know, he's getting placed in an impossible situation against a top three receiver, you know, an all-pro receiver. And, you know, I, I thought actually, apart from the the couple of the, the big plays that he gave up, he played well. Kader Kohu coming up big, Holland with a big pick, guys on the offensive line, you know, Connor Williams playing well, Rob Hunt looking like a pro bowl right tackle, you know, just guys just stepping up. I thought, you know, even the kid at quarterback, you know, he had a couple of a couple of mistakes, a couple of bad throws. We had a couple of absolute doozy throws. He had back-to-back throws in the third quarter. One that should have been caught by Hill. One that was absolutely couldn't have been placed better into the hands of Kasiki. Went through his that hands. That throw, covered. that throw might have been the best throw of the weekend. And I watched every single snap and every th- single throw. That thing was on a line, thirty-six yards down the field. And if Kasiki keeps his feet, he can score. And we're running around again like crazy people thinking about what we're this game. With a, you got Jalen Waddle playing with a shoulder, you know, maybe even a partial separation, but he's got a, he's got his shoulder strapped up since week eight or something, and you know he's jumping up to catch balls because he doesn't want to you know get hit and get hit on his shoulder and stuff. But I don't know about you, Chris, but just to you know, I mean, I said it in in our little Discord chat, the Only Fins chat, which you can. You know, which you can join up for the incredible price of three three dollars per month. I mean, I can't even believe it's real, and I'm saying it out loud. But it it just feels like, and I'm just trying to find it. But essentially, it was. I don't know. I came away thinking I can't find it, so I'm sort of filling for time. But you felt like you you pulled the 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 most attractive woman you ever seen because we're, you know, taking the lead or we're closing in potentially on winning. And then you close your eyes and she pulls down your trousers and all of a sudden you, you open your eyes and she's gone. And that's what it felt like at the end of the game. It's like, <laughs> so close to something amazing happening. You like pulled a supermodel. You get yeah, back to you. When you like, open your eyes, when you open the, when you open your eyes, the police is there staring at you yeah. saying, why do you have your pants down? Exactly. It's that kind of thing. But yeah, overwhelming sense of pride. We'll talk about McDaniel in a minute, but, uh, so happy that you know he had the game that he had, even though there were a couple of mistakes. The third and nineteen pick, the 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 play calling at the end, which obviously we'll deal with over coming shows in terms of because it's been a just an ongoing issue through the season. But it was emotional, Chris, wasn't it? You and I were watching it on on OnlyFans, chatting back and forth, and it was close, brother, wasn't it? It was it was such a roller coaster uh, for me because I approached the game much as you did, just you know. Cool as a cucumber. Like, this is, you know, whatever's going to happen is, is going to happen. Uh, we know that we are not favored in this game, and, and we probably have no chance. And, and you know, even if we did move forward, like, you know, how, 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 much, how much more did we expect them to do if they did go forward, you know, um, advance uh, with, you know, a Skylar Thompson at quarterback and all the injuries mounting up and, and particularly, uh, they left. They seemed like they left everything on that field. <laughs> um, and well, you know, and, we would have had a we would have had a pretty cool story. Tyreek going back to Kansas City and possibly Tua coming back. 
Like that would have been a hot, well, but hot but week. we don't. But but I think the indications. I think the indications are, and, and I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, split splinter this off into a whole yeah. big two a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the indications are that, you know, while while there is an aspect of the team that's like, you know, we just let's get them through protocol. Let's get them through protocol. Let's get them through. You know. And we've heard about that and even some people close to Tua and some people, you know, that are involved with with that, that thought he probably should have been advancing through protocol already. I, I think there are indications that there are there are people that, you know, didn't want the risk of of Tua being on that field, taking a taking another concussion, which could have been a career ender um and life and i mean at this point yeah and, and taking a, a career ender something could have been seriously you know very dangerous for him um and you know and and also i mean frankly the dolphins are the dolphins are unfairly but they are um because they've lost this narrative completely uh with the with the press and the fan base but they're kind of the poster child for the nfl doesn't care about cte you know and um and so, you know, the, the risk of Tua going up there and, and ending up with another concussion, a bad, possibly even a bad one, like say another one like Cincinnati with that ugly fencing response and, um, you know, to just the, the amount of hot water that the team would have been. I think there are some people that were kind of thumb on the scale about that, um, you know, as, as, as we go forward and find out more information. So I'm not sure he would have played in Kansas city. So I, I you know, how, how much further would we expect in advance? But I did, I was, I was cool about it heading into the game, much like Simon, but then I was really into it during the game, <laughs> you know, um, and, and play for play. My, you know, my, my, my nine-year-old is, um, is, is off in a corner somewhere, you know, playing her Nintendo switch. And she's laughing at me because, you know, I'm, I'm on my feet. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm screaming at the TV. I'm, you know, I'm doing all these things. At one point I'm like jumping up and down and, um, and like an idiot, I had, I had socks on on my tile floor and, uh, and, and like actually slipped <laughs> and she's mm. just like, she's just, she's just laughing uproariously um, at, at all this. And, uh, and, and I was, I was extremely into it and extremely mad, <laughs> you know, when you get into it and, and the team is, you know, it, it's such a close game and, and there's punch and counter punch and, and then counter counter punch and, you know, back and forth um every little thing gets you gets you upset and uh and and constantly you know having that clock tick down to zero as they're snapping the ball and and having to burn these timeouts and stuff like that you're getting more and more upset and then there's the final thing uh and and then and then once that fourth and inches snag happened and it became fourth and six uh i everything just shut off for me it was weird it was like that that's kind of it you know i was like that's that's it like it's it's over and and that's okay oh not for, <laughs> you know? not for me matt you know what i was thinking when it was fourth and six when i was when it was fourth and six you know what i was thinking you paid him 30 million dollars you paid a first round pick design pass to tyree kill this ball is going to tyree kill no matter what well it turns out that he was wide open <laughs> across the middle well but didn't you know, see him <laughs> I, I did not I did not have the faith in them to convert that. I mean, let's let's be oh, honest bro, about yeah, it. Let, let let's be honest about it. Skylar Thompson dropped back I think 51 times yesterday. Yes. 
um, and and completed eight passes, 18 passes. Um, and, and, you know, and I, I know that's not all his fault. And, so what you're saying and, is that I was seeing Tyreek Hill and I was not seeing the guy throwing it to him. <laughs> yeah, I think you were not. I think you were not. I think you were missing the forest for the trees very classically on that one. <laughs> um, and I think that, you know, so so at fourth and six, I kind of just had this calm moment where I was like, you know what, that's that's probably it. And uh, and and it's OK, because we knew that this was going to end. and this was a very competitive game and, and that's, that's all, that's, that's what we could have asked for. Um, so you come away from the game and I, I just think it's interesting that, you know, the dynamic between, I don't know which is worse, you know, a really bad loss, like getting, getting completely smoked or, or coming up just short. Cause either way, you know, the game where you come up just short, everything is the margin of victory. You know, like mm-hmm. it's if if you guys were neck and neck and and you just barely came up short, then every little thing, every little missed opportunity, every little failure is actually the margin of victory. So it's like, how do you pick? <laughs> and and the reality is like all of us do pick and, and we pick something and, and the thing that some, for some reason is most important to us or seems most important or the most egregious to us Um and and then you know and that's and that's so maddening and um but then then again what would we prefer that they they had gotten you know just solidly beaten and given us yet another indication that we were just not uh you know we didn't belong on that field like you know because that's what happened in 2008 that's what happened in 2016 um that's what happened in 2001 uh and, and you know, the way that the season ended in 1999 and Dan's last game, obviously. Um, and it's what happened in 2000, even when we won a playoff game. When we beat the uh, the Indianapolis Colts the following week, week it was like, you don't really belong here. Um, so, you know, I would not have preferred that. So, so yeah, we are holding our heads up kind of high right now. And we are kind of overall feeling good even though we're extremely angry um about certain details and um and i i think i'll take it you know i'll, I'll just be honest I'll, I'll take it it was uh it was a good football game i nearly uh i nearly um broke a bone somehow um <laughs> you know and uh and and my of course my daughter would have laughed even harder at that but um you know i i think that uh i think overall you know i'll take it yeah, and uh, the final score between these two teams for three games, okay, was 85-81. Dolphins were down four after three games, okay? Uh, rivalry is on. I think it's going to be a lot of fun going forward. The 90s are back. Uh, hopefully this time the Dolphins have the upper hand against the, the Bills. I guess it's a good start, but we're going to go to break now. When we come back, we're going to give some flowers to some of these players that played absolutely great on, on this day. We're also going to lay a little blame at a few people's feet because they did have an opportunity to make history. And yes, it would have been history. It would have been the largest, uh, the biggest underdog to ever win in the history of the first round of the playoffs. But we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll talk about it. But first, these words. 
Do you have a water leak and can't find where it's coming from? Are you dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business? Then call Water Cleanup of Florida at 954-579-0356 for immediate assistance. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and their team is prepared to handle all types of leak detection issues. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. After the leak has been located and repaired, Water Cleanup of Florida will then clean, dry, and fully restore the damaged areas. Water Cleanup of Florida is fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There is no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle the entire project from start to finish. Service areas include Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone at 954 579 That's 954 954- Five seven nine zero three five six, or visit their website at wcufl.com. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. All right, and we're back. All right, we're going to talk about some consequence, consequential plays in this game. Uh, I ran a poll on the 3 Arch per Carry pod, um, Twitter account, and it was asking, other than the obvious fourth and one play calling mess up, and that was a huge mess up, what was the biggest missed opportunity or slash mistake of the game? And I listed them in order. The first Waddle drop, that got 48% of the vote. The first Skyler pick, 5.7% of the vote. The Mike Gusecki drop on the scene pass, 12.6% of the vote. Or the second Skyler pick, that got 33.7% of the vote. Our listeners voted the first Waddle drop on the bomb as the most consequential missed opportunity or mistake in the game. What was yours, Simon? Um, I disagree on the Waddle bomb. I mean, it sets a tone, but it's literally, you know, there's still 57 minutes of the game to play. Uh, I think the, the obviously the biggest mistake was the was the play calling nonsense on fourth down. I think after that, it was the pick, the third and 19 backed up at your own eight yard line. I just thought that was a dumb call. You're mm-hmm. essentially giving them three points when you're leading 24, 20, you've done such a great job of playing defense of playing field position. Uh, the punt has been brilliant all year, you know, put, pin them back, you know, okay. You're not going to, they're not going to be 80 yards away, but the, you know, they might be 60 yards away, you know, at least try and limit them to a field goal, but you're really definitively giving them three points before they even have to run a play. Um, And probably seven, the momentum we had, and it just felt like we changed the momentum, just run a draw play, just, you know, just hand it to in goal, just throw it to, you know, I I just didn't see the, I wouldn't have seen the wisdom, even if you had, you know, Aaron Rodgers, prime Aaron Rodgers of 2011 back there, or Dan Marino of, you know, 1983 back there. I just don't, I just didn't see that was a smart call. So to me, that was the, that was the worst call apart from the obvious worst call. Yours, Chris? You know, for me, I'm, I hate to, I hate to go with the same one, but that was it for me. Um, because I think that, you know, with the caveat that I, I'm not, I'm not going to place it all necessarily on, uh, on the play call and on Mike McDaniel. Cause you know, we were kind of going back and forth about it, you know, even when it happened and, 
frankly, I don't know what Skylar Thompson was supposed to do on that play, you know? Um, and, and so I don't know that, I don't know that they necessarily dialed up a, a third and 19 play call to try and gain 25, you know, like, or whatever, whatever he threw it for. Um, it's hard for us to say that it, it's possible that, you know, Skylar Thompson, um, just did something there uh we we don't know so but either way it doesn't matter because it's the it's the totality of that whole play and it was a momentum changer it was very much prior to that we were in josh allen's head you know 100 percent in josh allen's head he was starting to drop his elbow i watched this guy i've been watching this guy since you know 2016 at wyoming and you, you knew you know when things are going wrong for him you know, he has a certain, he has a certain, uh, mechanic that, um, that starts to, uh, that starts to fail on him. And that's when everybody, you know, becomes convinced, oh, this guy can't throw the ball. He's not accurate. Um, and he had been, you know, he sailed an easy one on a third down, (laughs) um, and he's dropping that elbow and, and you can tell, you can tell he's, we're, we were absolutely in his head. And um, and I think that that third and 19 interception, giving them the ball on our side of the field, you know, short change jazzed him back up and you could see him get his focus back. And Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that that would have happened like that if um, if we hadn't if we hadn't had that turnover, you know. Um, And so I think that uh, I, I think. Yeah, that one is that one is just such a huge play, just in terms of momentum. Um, but as I said earlier, when the margin is small, there's a million things that it could have been. You know, there's a, there's a million things that uh, that you could point to, and um, I, I just felt like that was a big one from the sta- from the standpoint of momentum. Yeah, uh, and if I look at this team and I try to envision this team winning a, a Super Bowl and. You know, what unit is it that, you know, it's going to be the catalyst for winning a Super Bowl? It's easy to say Tua, Waddle, and Hill, you know, of course. But I look at that front four. They were absolutely magnificent. And I could see them being a force going forward. Wilkins, Sealer, you know, let's not even fuck around with this. You know, they got to re-sign Wilkins as soon as possible. And I don't even want to play with Sealer next year on a one-year contract. Extend his ass, too. Phillips and Chubb. That front four, like you could see, like that's the best part of the team, isn't it, Simon? Yeah, hundred percent. You get Ogba back as well, potentially. Um, you know, Van Ginkle, he's a free agent, but you know, you probably end up resigning Van Ginkle. They can get to the quarterback in myriad ways. I, I think John Jenkins has had a really solid season. Raekwon yes. Davis played well. You know, uh, nobody ever talks about Raekwon Davis, but you know, I know full well that the, the players on that defensive line really appreciate what he does. In terms of soaking up those double teams and uh, and those sorts of things, he's a player that sort of felt like he's coming to his own. But yeah, it's a it's an elite unit. They can get after the quarterback now with four people were, have been dismissing Bradley Chubb and his impact. And you look around at you know what Christian McCaffrey did as a deadline trade guy, at what Rokon Smith has done as a deadline trade guy, compared to what Chubb has done. But we've talked about it ad infinitum on the pod, the three of us, in terms of just that extra bit of juice that he's given the other guys around him sack numbers are up pressure numbers are up um uh, and it's you know seven sacks yesterday i think melvin ingram has to come back i thought ingram had an excellent season he slowed down a little bit towards the end but just rotating into that mix uh he's just he's just had another really solid year so yeah that 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 
that unit is is elite. And and I think if you can get some, you know, whether that's free agency with guys like David Long, I know people like Tremaine Edmonds, I'm not a massive fan, but David Long of Tennessee, Levante David, you've got Channing Tindall, what happens with Baker, what happens with Roberts. But, you know, there is an opportunity for, for a linebacker to become an all-pro behind that front because you can do an awful lot of things if you're just allowed to, the, the opportunity to free flow to the ball and you've got the speed to get sideline to sideline and the instincts and the vision to to take down running backs because um, that's a hell of a unit, Chris, isn't it? Yeah, that's um, that, that up front unit, though. Uh, you know, going forward, see, one thing about – I think about when – I think about how good San Francisco is and has been. Um, the strength of that defense, you know, seems to be up front a lot of, you know, in a lot of these years, uh, including the year they went to the Super Bowl. Um, and Mike McDaniel, I don't think it's coincidence that Mike McDaniel said that, you know, he, he would draft one of those front defensive front players like in the first round virtually every year, you know? Um, and, and that's because I think that he knows how devastating it can be or how devastating those players can be um, when they have it together. Um, you know, it was interesting yesterday. They, you know, they did, they did blitz Josh Allen. Uh, he had been beating the blitz in previous games, uh, but he was up and down against it yesterday. And, um, and so he was, there was, there were times that we blitzed him and it was picked up and, you know, he clearly got it. And then there were times when, um, you know, when it, it, it got home, there were four sacks on the blitz, you know, and um, and he and he had trouble with some of that. And I think that I think that that's interesting. I think going forward, though, that has to be the base, of the, you know, the base of your defense is that that front and defensive front unit. Um, clearly, clearly. I mean, Zach Sealer, I said it when they signed him to the contract, they signed him. It was such low numbers compared to what I saw on the field that he was doing as a Miami Dolphin that I thought it's the most valuable contract that the Dolphins have had since Cameron Wake. Um, and I, you know, and I think that that's, I think that is playing out, you know, and um, when they do resign him, it's not going to be that cheap anymore. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but, but at the same time, you really need, you really do need to do it. So, um, so I, I, I like that uh, defensive unit. Yeah, I'm not even playing with that. You know, I'm 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 putting off the pain with Jalen Phillips because you can. You're already receiving the pain on Bradley Chubb starting next season. Man, you know, Wilkins is a no-brainer. Like I would have that thing done in, in a couple of weeks, but I'm nervous about Zach Sealer because anybody that that has their brain turned on, this guy's one of the best defensive tackles in football. It's insane how well he plays, and, and he seems to have a knack for Buffalo, like. Like, does he have something against Buffalo? Because, you know, he has most of his sacks in his career all against Buffalo. Or maybe it's just Josh Allen running into people all the time. But he's so good. Like, he's so good. Like, that's a guy that, you know, he has to be in the fold going forward. I love him as a player. Great, great player. And that, that play was insane. Uh, and I loved how he slowed down, had the presence of mind to know, I'm a big giant guy. Let me bend down very carefully and pick this ball up because because this thing has to end up in the end zone. All right, it's not going to be all flowers. <laughs> all right, I expected, and this is for you, Simon. I expected a more gimmicky offense. Uh, I don't understand what they were trying to do. It seemed they were really aggressive, and they were calling a lot of the same stuff that they were calling. 
with Tua in there. Um, maybe they just didn't have the horses, but is Raheem Mostert, is is that enough? Is that enough of an excuse to not draw up a, a little bit more effective game plan as far as running the football? Because I thought that the offensive game plan left a lot to be desired. I understand that they had a few successful drives. Those field goals killed them. Uh, you get touchdowns against the, the Bills, you, you beat them. It's as simple as that. Uh, your thoughts, Simon, on the offensive game plan? Yeah, I thought, like, you look at Jeff Darlington tweeting just before kickoff that, you know, it was going to be balls out, it was going to be crazy, it was going to be all these sorts of things that he clearly got from somebody inside the Dolphins, and it wasn't really that at all. Uh, arguably, the best play, though, was that reverse that Waddle got down to the goal line in the in the fourth quarter. Um, but yeah, I expected a bit more. It was clear we weren't going to be able to run the, ga- run, run the ball. It was clear that... When you've got linebackers who've got the vision and the instincts, certainly of Matt Milano, but also the athletic ability to get sideline to sideline of, of Edmonds and the the, the skill of a Teron Johnson, or the skill of a Jordan Poyer, it is very difficult to get to the perimeters on those on those outside zone runs. Jeff Wilson doesn't have the speed. He's a banger who can buck it up inside. He's great near the goal line, those sorts of things, but he doesn't have that real speed against pacey linebackers to get to the edge and I think that's what we really missed and you just couldn't establish the run you know and it felt like you know you run on first down you pick up a yard or you lose two yards and all of a sudden you're in you're behind the change you're second 11 second and 13 and you know that it's okay if you've got two but when you've got Skylar Thompson it's much more difficult to you know to 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 do that and it it almost felt like at times you know and I understand this that you weren't going to win the game by running the ball you're going to win the game by being a bit more balls out, which is, I kind of thought that that's what they were. And I don't really have a criticism of the game plan. The game plan got us 31 points and almost, you know, it wasn't the game plan that fucked up the, the you know, the timing of the the snap at the at the end of the game. Do you know what I mean? The game plan almost got us the, got us a victory. So I don't really have an issue with it. I don't think you can be all wildcat and triple throws and, and all those sorts of things, because the the you know the Bills' defense didn't come to get their belly rubbed. They're a good you know they're a really good. They're good at the front four. They're good at the second level. They're excellent in the secondary. So you know I, I think trick plays sound amazing on paper, and the Wildcat sounds amazing on paper. And the reality is that that's just not how you win consistently, especially with a rookie quarterback who's going to end up turning the ball over because you don't practice those trick plays very much. You practice the plays that are in the playbook. Mm. Um, you know he's not getting. He's not coming in, even the minimal snaps he was getting when he was third string, he wasn't coming in to practice trick plays. He may have, you know, uh, uh, th- that reverse, they probably only practiced once or twice. Do you know what I mean? And so, and actually it was, he did it really well. But to think that he was going to throw to Cedric Wilson, he was going to throw back to him and then he throw to, I just don't think that was ever going to happen. I just don't think that was realistic. Uh, Chris, you got some brief thoughts on this before we dive into the, you know, the five million pound <laughs> elephant standing yeah. in the room? <laughs> Well, uh, so um, what I'll say, the game plan, yeah, I, I, I guess there is a little bit of surprise about um, about some aspects of the game plan. And, yeah, we, we'll, we'll all have our, our criticisms of, um, you know, not trying this or not trying that. Uh, but it's like Simon said, um, you know, they scored – I mean, the, there was a defensive touchdown. So they scored 24 points against the Bills on the road in, in their house uh, against a really good defense with a with a third-string, seventh-round rookie quarterback at the helm. And and you have to pay attention to the fact to – the, to the organization or really the disorganization that we saw 
you know, with four four false start penalties uh, with the um, with the offensive lineman, uh, the the play the play clock running out, you know, continuous almost it seemed like almost 80, 90 percent of the plays the the play clock was down to zero before we snapped it. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of that time, you know, they don't, the, the referee doesn't necessarily throw the cla- flag, you know, right when the, the thing ticks to zero and that's, that's what saved us. But that, that's the margin that we were at like 80, 90% of plays. Um, you know, what happened on the fourth down snag, uh, the timeouts that we had to burn, you have to pay attention to the, the fundamentals and the general organization of the offense. And if you are not fundamentally sound and organized on offense, how are you going to hope to do trick plays? You know, how, yeah. how are you going to hope that is, that is the first thing you have to have that foundation before you can of, of execution before you can do trick plays. And, and Mike McDaniel in the press conference, they just had he even mentioned it, you know, it's, it's in addition to Skylar Thompson, you know, being the third string guy and hardly getting any reps, you know, during the, during the season, uh, he was injured and missed some time and then had to come back from that. Um, you know, and, and then there's, and then he's running, he's running an offense that features Lester Cotton, who I didn't even know was on the team, uh, <laughs> at left guard. Uh, you know, it's, it's at right guard, it's Robert Jones. It's a, that's a new right guard. Uh, he had been playing left guard before and then right tackle, you know, Robert Hunt is moving out there for the first time. Uh, you know, he, he, he did it a couple of snaps in, in the last game. Yeah, and it was um, it was it was also it was also awesome to watch in the broadcast how Teron Armstead kept, kept repeating the play call into Lester Cotton's ear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you you, you saw it, you saw it. So the so the disorganization was such that I know the fans are like, oh well, just call it, just call. It. This isn't Madden, though. You know, you, you yeah, can't, that's the problem you know, with Madden. Just... Everybody's looking at it, and look, I, I I will I never I didn't see one all all year. Okay, I was dying to see a third and one jet sweep with Tyreek Hill and dare somebody to catch him before he reached the corner. Right. I, I think the pinnacle of the, 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 call. the pinnacle of their choreography was really that, um, you know, that, that play where they, where you could tell that they, they sat in the huddle uh, on purpose until about six seconds left on the clock and then ran up to the line and ran that. Um, I, I forget if it was a jet sweep or a reverse, but um, you know, it, it and it worked beautifully. And, and I think that that's like, that's probably the only time that I saw that I saw good choreography all day um, about the organization of the play uh, and, and getting the snap off and stuff like that. It, it like I said, it's not mad. You, it's not technical bowl. You don't just call a play and then that's it, you know, it's, and so I think that that was, people got to understand how hampered they were from that standpoint before they go off like you know oh we should have done this we should have done should have had Tyreek Hill in the backfield as a wildcat we should have you know um they, it's sometimes it is what it is you know sometimes yeah. it just is what it is and I, I think that that it, you know kind of was what it was yeah I think that the fans just see the talent that's on the offensive side of the football and they're like and they start thinking up all the ways they can get that one yard you know you know what I mean but sometimes all of that is not available to you, you know? Simon, is it as simple as, look, we saw this team with Tua. They operated okay. They still had the same issues. But they were a top five-ish offense. Some would argue top three on advanced stats. Is it enough to put to lay the blame out on a seventh-round rookie? And that's why they had so many issues getting plays in quickly? No, I don't think so. I think the, the it, those have been an issue all season long. 
Mm. You know, you're running out, you're changing, you're changing personnel with with nine seconds to go before, which is ridiculous. A fourth down, fourth and one play, and it was the fourth time on that drive that 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 had happened in terms of running down to the to the to the running out of the play clock. You know, they're breaking the huddle with eight seconds to go. They are starting jet. Mo- they're starting motions with like three seconds to go. And this didn't just happen on Buffalo on Sunday. This happened in New England in week one. This happened in Baltimore in week three. This happened in, you know, Detroit in week seven. This happened in San Francisco in week 12. This happened in Green Bay in week 15. It was happening all season long. We're not getting set up in time. We're not getting out of the huddle in time. We're Our motions are late. That's why we're having procedural penalties. That's why we're having false starts and illegal motions and illegal shifts and all of those sorts of things because the timing's fucked and that's something that McDaniel is going to have to go and look back and I would suggest that he goes back and looks at every single play that they called all season some of the video analysis guys do this and work out what's the average time that we're breaking the huddle what's the average time that the play call's coming in what's the average time that we're getting lined up what's the average time that motion happens because I, uh, they I actually bet- have that number they have that number uh, I, I saw it today uh Care to guess who was worst at this in the NFL? Second. Oh, Miami. No, it was Green Bay. Guess right. who was second? Oh, but Green Bay never feel like they're out of control. Yeah, but, no, but I'm getting to it. Las Vegas was second. Miami was third. Miami right. was third but, in the but, longest time between plays. It was 42. Rogers does that because he tries to catch people offside. We're doing it because we're panicking. Like Aaron, it never feels like they're going to, you know, the, okay, there's been occasions where Josh Myers hasn't snapped the ball or they've, but very, very rarely it's, alignment for Aaron it's trying to get him to jump offside so he can get a free play it's all those things it never feels panicked like we are we are rushing to the line with five six seconds to go we get we're motioning the guy to come into motion with three seconds to go or two seconds to go I mean we could have got called a couple of times for 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 delay of games and I think it's only because the playoffs excuse me that um that we were allowed to we we got away with it yesterday so it's that's something that's got to be fixed especially when you look at how much you know, motion is so important to the. We do run motion more than anybody in the league, maybe apart from San Francisco. Or with San Francisco, I mean, if if your offense is predicated on pre-snap motion and pre-snap movement, to fuck it up that badly is mm-hmm. is that's got to change. And I don't know whether that's just McDaniel taking a good hard look at himself, whether it's the verbiage, whether there's too many words, mm-hmm. um, or or whether the play call's not coming in quick enough, whether it's you know all of our quarterbacks wear a wristband. So it's almost like the play's coming in. Then they've got to find the play on the wristband. Then they've got to give the, the play that they see on the wristband to the players. And then they've got to line up. And it, you know, something there isn't working. Maybe the verbiage has to cut down a little bit. Maybe the wristband has to go. Something has to change. Yeah, um, Tom Brady Tom Brady said uh, in an interview that with Josh McDaniel, he had a thing called the, the fuck it <laughs> switch, which was at 15 seconds, if he didn't have the play call, he was calling his own play. And it could be something as simple as that. How many times did Tua this year probably just say, fuck it, and just call the play because these guys were still dicking around with 15 seconds to go? Uh, it was when you watch it again, it gets worse. <laughs> Okay, so I would suggest nobody watch the, the, that last sequence. Uh, Chris, your thoughts on what was a terrible way to end the, the game? I'll tell you one thing. If we had a full compliment or not even a full compliment, if we had Tua and Raheem Mostert in there because with Tua and Raheem Mostert, I was very prepared to be to come onto this podcast and say we are winning this game and we're going to Kansas City or we're going wherever. 
But you well, know they the, had they had they had the back they had the third stringer Marie Moser wasn't playing. We were the 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 cute plucky underdog. So maybe we don't care as much. This was this was fuckery of the likes there rarely is in the NFL, wasn't it, Chris? Yeah, I mean what what I think what I think that you have to I think emphasize in this is um is that you know the a fuck up is going to happen, right? You know, and and in this case, you know, Mike McDaniel and I, I almost didn't like the way that he 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 kept using the word staff mm-hmm. in his press conference just now. Um, you know, explaining that and and talking about. I mean, he 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 said he ultimately said the right things. You know that that it's it's on me and and it's it's my interactions with it's my setting setting the stage with the staff and and stuff like that. But he, it was almost through gritted teeth. And, um, and he was, he continued to talk about, so, so clearly somebody on the staff, um, you know, screwed up. So you have a mess up that happens. It, it, it is known to happen. I think it happens to every team. Okay. You take a timeout. Well, you don't have timeouts. Why don't you have timeouts? Mm-hmm. You don't have timeouts because this has been happening all game and you've needed to burn your timeouts in order to, you know, save yourself from getting a delay of game penalty. Um, you know, and, and as Simon said, there probably could have been 20 more delay of game penalties during that game. And it seemed like the referees were almost just even letting it go because it's the playoffs and they just don't want a sea of yellow out there. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, I, I think that it's about margin of safety. They're not leaving themselves a margin of safety because, you know what, this is the NFL. You're going to have a guy off of the practice squad playing left guard and needing you know the left tackle to basically explain to him what he's supposed to do on the play um mm. you, you know you're, you're gonna have a, a quarterback in the game who didn't get a lot of reps and you know it, and and might have a little bit more trouble o- organizing uh, the offense and getting the playoff you're gonna have those things happen this is the nfl that's what that's what happens uh you need to leave yourself a margin of safety and that's McDaniel's fault. He set up a system that left zero margin of safety and it's been happening all year, you know? And so I think that, um, I think that overall, that's the thing that I would emphasize. And I'm, I, you know, people, people might criticize. I'm, I'm glad that it happened, frankly. Um, I, you know, I, I'm very disappointed that we didn't advance. And, but as I said before, I don't think we were going much further. Um, and I think that I'm glad that it happened in such a high profile way, uh, such an in your face, embarrassing way that they're going to have to take a very uncomfortable look at themselves and assign, assign blame or, you know, and take a look at the accountability because this might be a friend, you know, my, Mike McDaniels is really close with Ember. You know, what if it's Embry? Mm-hmm. That's just, you know, he. we know that he plays an integral part of the uh, the play call and the personnel groupings and stuff like that and play calling and the organization of the play. What if it's McDaniel himself, you know? And if it's a friend, you're not, you're, you're, you're going to want, kind of want to excuse it, right? You're, you're going to, well, well, we'll just do better. We'll do better, you know, or something yeah. like that. Or if it's yourself, well, what am I going to do? Give up play calling? You know, like, and, and I think, I think that that's what has is going to happen now because it happened in such a high profile, extremely embarrassing way that they are going to have to uh, take a very uncomfortable, do the uncomfortable thing 
And unfortunately, it is what needs to happen because it was a problem all year. And so, you know, that's, you know, right now, I just know that somebody in that, that, in the top floor is going to ask Mike McDaniel for a detailed analysis on what was going wrong all year, not that play all year, uh, and what he's going to do to fix it. And I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad when flaws get exposed in a high profile way instead of being allowed to fester just under, you know, just under the skin. And so um, that's, that's, that's how I view it going forward. Yeah. You remember uh, Tua Tungavalo's, uh, you know, what the fuck moment in Buffalo when he kept looking at the side and like, give me the fucking pie already. Yeah. <laughs> you remember? So there was always, there was a problem and it's, it's obvious it's on the personnel side, because if you watch the replay of this thing, okay. And I'm going to say a couple of things here on this. When you watch the replay of this, you see that he realizes he's told, okay, it's first down, and he's already calling. He calls in a play, and then he's—I guess he's told, "Hey, it's fourth down," and you hear him basically. You see him basically mouth, "What the fuck?" When he says that, yeah, he you immediately, can see that yeah, he, he immediately starts reciting another play, and the clock hits twenty-five. So now you got twenty-five seconds from the time that he said the play into the headset to get the play in, and then all of a sudden it's you know uh, it's. Keystone cops all over the place. Everybody running around in circles. Look, I want to say a couple of things. Uh, Champagne had a great point. Uh, they got rid of this. Champagne said, uh, if you watch the play, and I agree with him, the Savan Ahmed run was close enough where in the past, a trick that the coaches used to do to gain 30 seconds and possibly a minute was to request a measure. They got rid of that last year. That's no longer possible. Because a lot of people were saying, ah, you know, that was a rookie mistake because Mike McDaniel needed to request a measure. You're not allowed to do that no more. It's out of the rules. Champagne says that that's something that he would go to the competition committee as soon as the season was over and request for it to be put back. And he has a, he has a point. Like, like really, you really need to, you really need those 30 seconds back. You know, there's actually a little drama, actually. I think it helps the game. You know, it helps the aesthetics of the game to see the old people run out there with the pipes and the chains to, to see how close or how far you are from a first down. And that's my final point. I say this every year. I could go to Home Depot in the next 15 minutes. And in fact, if we had the budget to get a camera crew to follow me, I could go to Home Depot, get a laser-guided measurement system, cost about $170. And we could determine 10 yards really easily on a football field. That these guys kept, and, and I watched it today, and I, I saw all the conspiracy videos, but th there's no way these people are spotting this ball correctly. And there's a couple of times where they, they completely screwed up spots. And then they don't know where the first downs are because th the chains move, and now they have that that little rubber thing with the with the, the aluminum arrow on it that's supposed to tell you for sure those are 10 yards, but those things moved all the time. In the Giants-Minnesota game, it was misspotted by a yard and they were going to give the ball to the Giants because they said, oh, no, it's not a first down. And then Minnesota correctly uh, deduced, oh, wait a minute, you're making us go 11 yards for a first down? Is this a new rule? And, of course, they had to respot it. And they go, oh, okay. Uh, my, uh, math says if it's at the 39, then surely if the ball is spotted at the 49, it's a first down. Okay, first down. That It's 2023. And we're running on with pipes and chains to determine 10 yards is absolutely ridiculous. It's about time that, come on, you know, in, in baseball, they're going to robot umps pretty soon. Yeah, I 100% I, I agree with you that it is that, 
you know, it's the 21st century. Welcome to it. And, yes. you know, I think that it is ludicrous where I'm a little bit confused is like, on the one hand, we're, we're saying that. And then on the other hand, you're like, yeah, but I want the competition committee to, to re reinstitute having those guys march out on the field with the pipes and chains. Uh, you know, to, <laughs> well, that's the thing. Yeah. If you're not going to get rid of the pipes and the chains, give me the, the drama of having a coach ask for the pipes and the chains. You yeah, know what I, I, mean? I think, I think, yeah, I think that's fair. I, I, I do, I do see what you're saying, and I, I do believe that's fair. If you're going to do continue to do it that way, um, you know, almost by eliminating that, you're you're almost uh, opening the door to even more mistakes with this highly flawed system um, that they're they're continuing to push forward with. Um, so yeah, I, I I do understand that. So, but um, you know, what led up to that is is still going to be very important to me and uh and it, you know in the way that this game played out so yeah and, and we're going to talk about it uh later on this week you know we're going to start beginning to dig into this team for the off season what they got to do uh what they had to improve on and it's going to be on the coaching staff as well we also have some some no- more news uh uh i'm not certain if people are going to be fired immediately but uh usually some news happens two days afterwards you know if you're going to let go of a coach you want them to give them a, the, as big an opportunity as possible to interview with as many people as possible. So if they will discharge some, some coaches, I'm pretty sure it'll happen in the next two days and we'll talk about it on Thursday, but do you have like a, do you have like a, do you have like a five second prediction? Do you, do you like, you know, this is we're not going to podcast. Until I'm going to sound like so a clown. We, we because should predict. I, yeah. I'm going to sound like a clown because I've been, I've been bitching about this guy for weeks Man, I think Josh Boyer has a lot of fans in that building, and I think Mike McDaniel is going to realize I want to look like an asshole if I fire this guy when I was running around like Keystone Cops, like a complete moron, <laughs> getting a play in. You know what I mean? So I say he keeps Boyer, and Danny Crossman falls on the on the sword. That's I think, my prediction. I, I think that Danny Crossman is, is probably gone. Um, I am I'm like you and actually wouldn't be surprised if there's as much of a shakeup on the offensive side of the ball, um, the coaching staff, as there is the defensive side of the ball. If there even is, you know, that much of a shakeup on the defensive side of the ball. Just uh, just a gut feeling. All right. Well, there you have it. We'll talk about it on Thursday, all of it, and we'll begin an offseason. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.